We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Dane Moore NBA Podcast, brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. It is Tuesday afternoon. I have Britt Robson of Min Post with me here today to, I guess, sort of react to, to the Timberwolves' loss in Memphis on Monday night. Britt, you've been writing this Tuesday morning column. Uh, every- screw up on Monday night. <laughs> I know. It's the last week was the Orlando loss. Right away, the morning afterwards, with the reaction tonight uh, or today, I guess it was it was the Memphis loss, and I, I saw you tweet last night, and I didn't really understand your tweet, but it was about what the it was about what this this article tapped into, which is titled on Min Post: "The Dread Zone: How a History of Failure Continues to Sabotage the Wolves." How did you? Why is why is that where you went with? with your reaction to this game, not just, not just simply the Wolves lose again in terrible fashion, but right. you tied it into 30 years of... Well, because I don't think I'm wrong about my first instinct on this team, sure. which is that they're a talented team, they're well-coached as a rule, at least they're coached by a good coach. You know, whether they're well-coached is something we can talk about. But um, I think that any team that has, you know a top three of Cat and and D'Lo has a core of decent defenders who are defending. This is the best Wolves defense I've seen since Adelman left, and that's eight years ago. Um, and yet they're going to push back on that at some point. And then they're dreadfully underachieving. Mm-hmm. Um, and why are they underachieving? Uh, who do I look at and say, you were just having a, a wretched year? Well, there are candidates for that, but I think it's more, I see the good stretches every game. They've been double-digit leaders in four of their last five losses, the second uh, Clipper game being the only one that really was, uh, they didn't have a double-digit lead. And a lot of those losses were in the fourth quarter. As uh, Michael Rand, I think, notably tweeted out there, minus 31-8 net rating in the fourth quarter so far this year, which is so far in the tank that, I mean, they're, they're 30th. They'd be 38th if there were 31 more teams, you know? 
Well, <laughs> let, well, let, let's start there in the fourth quarter last okay. night. Obviously, you know, it's that that game is, is just kind of pure chaos. But, but really, joke. yeah, yeah. I, I think both of us have gone back and kind of watched those last seven and a half minutes where mm. the where the Wolves were up by 16 and just slowly kind of drip it away by, as, as Carl Anthony Towns said after the game, playing not to lose mm-hmm. rather than playing to win. I think they, they only made in the final nine and a half minutes of the game, they only made three total shots, one of which was Cats banked in 40-footer right. at the end of regulation. And it's and then, you know, that kind of leads in. They, they, they can't score on offense. The defense just kind of turns into turnstiles, and Memphis is scoring and scoring and slowly taking away that lead as they do. But it just kind of takes me back to, like, what's this offense doing? Why are they... Why well, are they so stuck here? Well, again, one of the reasons I attribute it to, and I, I'm leery of playing armchair psychologist. I mean, it's always a fraught territory. But why does Delo make a, a, a no-look pocket pass out to the perimeter? To McDaniels? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, why does um, nobody get back when everybody is there? You know, uh, they're, they're missing two or three on the the turnover breakaway why does it take uh kyle anderson two times to put it in on the their fourth yeah. attempt they score why does uh delo and or ant crash into four players when everyone else is standing around but at least two of them are open um their decision making is frozen their decision making is in is, those times though that's yes, the interesting exactly. part it's like why then? Because I, that is, I think, moment of truth time. I think that's when the players are saying, how am I going to feel if I don't do something? How am I, for Cat and D'Lo, how am I going to be a leader of this team? For Ant, how am I going to be the future alpha? You know, um, and for some of the other folks, um, you notice, I mean, Guys like Okogi and McDaniels. McDaniels has his obvious foul troubles, but both of those guys kind of ran free and well last night. Mm-hmm. The people who are sabotaging this team the most are the players and coaches that I thought would shine in these moments. So I, I think that, and this is my question to Carl Anthony Towns after the game, and it's just something I've, I've been thinking about a lot today, you know, talking to some sure. different people. Just, I, I'm, I'm really honestly curious, and I, I maybe don't have the, the basketball acumen or the, the understanding of exactly what they're trying to do offensively. But I think there's this real collision of Chris Finch wants to run a flow-based, freelance sort of offensive system. That you know, it, it's this idea that if the less structure you put around talent, exactly. the more they can spread their wings to let that talent fly. That's really being put into question right now. And, and yeah, it's being put into question literally in, in Kat's post-game press conference when he says when his, re- his reasoning for not winning the game is that they couldn't execute down the stretch. And what I said to him is like, how do you execute something? And I mean this seriously. I, right. I mean, that wasn't even poking at him. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I don't know the answer. How do you execute something offensively that is inherently built to be ambiguous? I don't, I don't know what you're supposed to do there. Well, 
I go back to my interview with Finch in Vegas, where I said, to what extent do you run set plays and to what extent do you freelance? I know. And he I said, about. Yeah. that's what I was thinking about. Was and, that and so he said, well, they have the freedom. You know, you need the freedom to do it as long as they're within the precepts. Well, the precepts are move without the ball and move the ball. So I would guess if Cat is smart enough, and sometimes I think he is, I mean, grasping things and just not articulating well because he's just gotten through with an incredibly disappointing game and knows how he's going to get hammered in the next 24 hours. But I think he would like to say, and who knows if I'm right, um, we don't execute because we don't move when we don't have the ball and we don't move the ball when we should when we do have the ball. Um, and I think to part to defend him a little bit in the fourth quarters is when they are putting in more structure to the defense in these winning time situations. That's where we saw that little the defense. You meant the offense. no, 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 no. The offense. They're putting in more structure okay, in the to offense. The offense, right? Okay. And, and I think the basic way I think everyone's kind of picked up on this now, like their little binky for the offense is that horn set, right? Where yep. they have Cat, Ant, and D'Lo making that little triangle, right? At elbow, elbow, top of the key, and and you know. It's some structure to, you know. And how often does D'Lo pass out of that when he's not in the horns? I mean, that's the thing that I, D'Lo uses as a double screen. I mean, it's effectively a double screen for him. And then he usually goes up and hits that elbow yeah. jumper or makes the play. I mean, that's the thing that bothers me about, hmm. the thing that bothers me about that set is D'Lo turns it into, like what an option quarterback gets to think. What am I going, what what two or three things am I going to do here? Mm. Rather than how am I going to begin a chain that gets three other people involved? Right. So that, that's interesting you put it like that. Do you remember the first game last season where that really thrived, that horn set? Yeah. Remember what it was? What, yeah. what game was it? That was his, it wasn't his first game as a starter. No, I'm talking earlier in the year. It was the Phoenix Oh, you mean game. before you mean during under Ryan or under Finch? No, under Finch. The Phoenix game where where Cat and Ant both had both had 40. Oh, right, right, right. Remember that? I don't Yeah, I mean, was Steel playing that game? No, it was he oh, wouldn't. Okay, have yeah, okay. I'm, right, I'm just realizing yeah, this as no, I think okay. about it out loud is that was it was the horns thing. I thought you meant when did that first work for D'Lo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well Well, and and I mean let's not take away like D'Lo played pretty well really well for well he three played, and a half quarters. He played uh, his D'Lo game, mm. which is um no no, yes. You know, I mean, a, a lot of uh, uh, here goes nothing because I'm feeling it. And mm. you say to yourself, I've learned to say to myself, Dilo's on tonight. Good. We can count on, you know, the right. same way I say it about Ann, except that Ann is a combo guard and Dilo's a point guard. Mm -hmm. So there's inherently more usage to Dilo there. I mean... They all messed it up, though. In, yeah, in, in exactly. It was like, a system wide. Well, I mean, by all you well, mean, Cat just had a bad game. The principal actors. Yes, the principal, the, the big yeah, three. The principal actors. Which it's not going to totally show up on the stats because you know, at, you know, if you're just looking at the box score, I think D'Lo had he had 30. 30. Ant had 27 on not great but not terrible efficiency. Right. And and Cat was 20. I think he was six of 11 from two and three of nine from three. So like none of that is egregious. But there were a lot of mental errors by all of them. Yes. And there were a lot of bad decisions by all of them, not only mental errors. I mean, mental errors is when you don't see somebody mm -hmm. or when you uh, shoot instead of pass. But there were also some um, 
just stupid plays where, you know, like I mentioned, D'Lo's no look in a back pass, but Ant, Ant made some passes that were well, dude, the, the Ant And the horns where Ant was at the top of it and it was yeah. cat. Oh, yeah. yeah he's well, trying to one, pass that it to D'Lo. Yeah, Jace highlighted that on Twitter. And, it bounces. And, it literally bounces and gets intercepted by the guy who's guarding Ant. I mean, so I, I guess what I'm saying is some of that is like execution. It, yes. it is. But big picture, I think the flaw of this system right now is is that it it often doesn't rely on execution. And Carl Anthony Towns, the team's best player, is this guy who has been raised in an execution-based scheme. I mean, Tibbs is an executor, right? Right. And I would say Ryan, when he would like his some of right. his better games right. were heavy play calls. Definitely, definitely blueprinters. Also, I do think that um I think Kat's having an identity problem on offense. I don't think he knows his best role in the offense. Every other offense Kat's been in, with the exception of the, the Butler-Tibbs era, mm. where he was a second option. I mean, Wiggins had more shots, but come on. Um, uh, he had relatively free reign. Mm. Don't you see Kat wanting the double team and then not being able to deal with it once he gets it? I mean, I mean, it might just mess with your head too. I, I think mean, not, that, not to make well. Excuses, I mean, back but. to the basket is is a bad. Back to the basket five years ago versus back to the basket now is a different way to play. Mm. And Cat, when his back is to the basket, Orlando did it. The Clippers did it. Anybody's going to do it now. You just rush him with. He won't see what end area they're coming from, right. but it'll be somebody large and it'll be somebody really tight. Um. So uh, our our friend Jonathan Charks called yeah. me today because he, he, oh, he watched. Oh, great. How's he doing? He, he's, he's doing well. He's still getting he's getting chemo, so he's battling. Right. But, uh, but you know, just obviously he's watching a lot of Wanted to talk about this game. He, right? wa he wanted to talk. And, and I thought this was a really interesting new thought that, that I that hadn't crossed my mind. I love mind. people who haven't seen the Wolves but really know basketball. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and what, what he said was he goes, have you thought about – Cat just being a player who just operates from the mid range a lot, hmm. and and obviously you know the the instant reaction of anyone when you hear, particularly those more stats inclined, are going to go, oh no no like mid range career forty percent shooter in the mid range. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I mean, right. But I, I think to some of what we're seeing like collapse here, like the the post is not post ups for Cat are not proving to be profitable. No, not at, at all. So. I think one of the more obvious adjustments would be, you know, put him out above, you know, above the break, top of the key. Let's get, let's get him some fire and some more threes. But if you want to hang on to flow, you got to kind of use cat within the arc a little bit too. And, and what Jonathan was saying was just, he's like, you look at what, you know, you look at what KD is doing. You, you look at what a lot of these taller guys and he, he's in Dallas and he right. goes, it really, it, what made me think about it was Dirk. He goes, granted a different era goes but Dirk was a great shooter right. who didn't shoot a ton of threes right and and it's just having that seven foot height and length above you know above the defenders allows you to get to that mid-range shot whenever you want now it's not going to be all of his shots but it's just kind of working from that area and what, what I, I said to him that you know triggered in my memory was the year when Tibbs was fired and Ryan took over and I mean Kat's numbers he are, was everywhere yeah and, Everywhere, but his numbers are completely three point. No, 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 no. I'm 18, 19. It wasn't. 19, no kidding. 20 was the three. Remember 
he was cat was operating from like the 17 foot like elbow extended area yeah a but lot he, more. he shot i mean when i say everywhere mm. i thought he did he shot a lot of threes he, he did, and a but lot he, of he tapped back into the mid-range right. that year at least as a being a place to start so he was all three levels i guess mm -hmm. is what i'm trying to say and really outside of that block of time and the sam mitchell rookie season cat has all but given up the mid-range from from being part of his game as a uh -huh. as really an area to operate and i you know i just and i i don't i literally am just thinking about this out loud but when you know that post is going to be taken away given the lack of you know just the way that teams are attacking him and you know that you need to get carl anthony towns more involved like i i do think it could be one of those situations where he like al horford's his way to like 50 percent on those Right. those mid-range shots. But before something that drastic has to happen, and I don't discount it as a possible piece of the arsenal, I hope it would not be a significant piece of the arsenal, I, or I would hope it would be a counter to something. Well, and that's what I'm saying. It's a counter okay. to getting doubled every single but, time. But my point, I think what my solution before that has to be tried would be to tell Cat, don't bother waiting for the double or don't crab dribble down there. Yeah, that. Just basically when you catch the ball face up and if you see something you think you can score with, shoot. Mm. If you don't, move it. It's not that difficult. You don't see that from Cat. And for all Tibbs' faults, he got Cat to move the damn ball. True. And he had Taj Gibson... As a guy with good hands on the other side, that's obviously not Okogie nor mm. Vanderbilt, but there are people with good hands that can surround him right. and score. And not only that, but if they just move the ball, then those doubles inevitably hurt the opposition. If you're moving the ball and you're concentrating on doubling somebody. If you move the ball decisively. Exactly. And... Why in the world would you double Cat on an offense that has D'Lo and Ant unless the team has been incapable of exploiting that double? Right. So that really is, I mean, if you look at it from that way, then it's the crux of a problem is why isn't Cat's touches, why aren't Cat's touches leading to more points? I mean, I know there's a synergy you know, post up or whatever, but right. I'm just talking about in general with the offense, yeah. have him make hockey assist more often and Ant too, for that matter. I mean, I am tired of ball moving. Ant said, well, I thought the ball moving was pretty good last night. Yeah, well, he had about 23 shots. I imagine he didn't think it was good, but move the ball, move the ball the way they were moving it when Finch instituted an offense after Ryan was last time, hmm. you know? And some of that might be Rubio versus D'Lo, but I don't think enough of it. And Pat Bev is a Rubio facsimile anyway. Right. Pat Bev seems to run the offense yeah. better than any of the three alpha guys. Um, Jim Peterson talked about this in one of his like little window concepts, like breaking down the play, talking mm -hmm. about how the Clippers double teamed him. It was during the game last night, but I was talking about it at, at dinner at the at the last Wolves game, I don't remember yeah. if you were there or not. I don't eat the dinner. <laughs> yeah, he what, what he said, and obviously you know, particularly when it comes to 
post ups, post ups, and big man defense. I mean, he knows his game. He knows yeah. his stuff. And what he said, he, he goes, "I've you know I've played against or played alongside other centers like that who have seen just the as aggressive of a double as you can get in a post up situation." And he goes, "What we were always taught in those situations was unless you can decisively go through it like right away, is that what you should actually do if your cat there is you should pull back out towards the perimeter." bringing both of those guys with you, which opens up the lane there for cutters. And what we're seeing Cat kind of do is the opposite. He's he's going in to the he's double team. He's dribbling and he's banging. Banging and almost trying to find the skip Maybe path. it's the gorilla mentality. <laughs> Might be. I mean, he's, seriously, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not going to lose my sculpting, you know? Right. I, I, I don't know. But that, that, I mean, and that's just Jim literally being a coach and player in the NBA, understanding that specific spacing of, of post-ups in that way. But... But rather than, like, what if on those touches, when Cat sees it and feels the double, like, when you knew it was coming with the Clippers, all right, give me my post-touch here at 14, and immediately the first thing I'm going to do is, like, pivot backwards to, right. like, 19 feet. Right, But right. Toom and Zubats are still going to come with you. Yes. They're not, like, he's or, or one of them may begin to recover, but if by that time, you have the advantage. Exactly. You can figure out, because if you're Cat, you're smart, in terms of, I mean, he, one thing he has had a lot of experience drilled into him by Tibbs, among mm. others, is, you know, you can be a guy who moves the ball. And let's let's be, I don't know what Cat's shooting numbers are right now, but I know that in the past they've been very good in terms of this season. And I bet even whatever happened last night, right. they remain very good. Oh, yeah. My point about Cat isn't the shots he takes and misses or makes. It's the assist-to-turnover ratio that has just gone into the tank. Right. I mean, yeah. He's until got... the second half and overtime last night, he had spent the last six quarters with zero assists and nine turnovers. Jesus. He yes, yeah, so he had five. He had five turnovers. He had five turnovers last night. He has a seven turnover game, a six turnover game, and three five turnover games in, in nine. See, and that that did not happen nearly as much. And that's because Cat supposedly, right. you're supposed to have those five, six, seven turnover games also have five, six, seven assists. They mm -hmm. don't. Well, he has 31 assists on the year and 39 turnovers total. And 31 assists. He had seven assists in that uh, Orlando game. Mm. I mean, I bet you... More than half of those assists came in three games. Right. And and the other five games are just, you know. Anyway, for as much as his usage is on this team, um, and again, I, I think a lot of it is quote-unquote scheme, which means individual judgment right. within the precepts. And I blame Finch for not harping more on whatever – you need to harp on to get Cat to break this crab dribble, hold the ball and look around scheme. Right. And I also blame his teammates for not presenting themselves better around the floor. And, um, yeah, I mean, this is not all on Cat. Oh no, 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 not, 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 not by a long shot. Not the slightest. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that. Um, there remains a great lack of synergy in the Wolves' best offensive players, and I think it comes back to, Finch has complained about it numerous times, 
and sometimes in these words, sometimes not, it is a baton passing. Mm -hmm. It is, um, and, and they really do regard two passes over half court as ball movement. <laughs> and, and, you know, if it gets a good player, a good shot, I understand it. But they're not doing the San Antonio. How often do they do the San Antonio great shot over a good shot? Mm -hmm. I saw it, you know, I saw it actually more when they still stunk on defense earlier in the season than I've seen it now. Right. I, I mean, I, last night it was absurd. I, I think, I think too, which is interesting and in, what you wrote about in your piece and is indicative of where our conversation has gone too, is that the dread of this situation leads into finger pointing towards cat. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's literally what right. we're doing. Well, he's a senior guy. He, um, actually, you know what? Let's take a quick okay, break here. So and then, and then I want to, I want to dig into the dread thing because it's, uh, it's I deep it's and rich. sad. <laughs> <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by 20 by 20 solutions, a Minneapolis based technology consulting company that works with your business to help you build and sustain success. A great front office puts together a winning team with a coach who can put together a winning strategy. When leadership does its job and it all comes together, that means success. Success in business isn't any different. Business leaders need to find the right mix of technology, strategy, and talent to make things really work. And that's never been truer for growing companies. 20 by 20's team has helped grow companies from thousands of customers to tens of millions by helping businesses across a wide range of industries, from consumer technology and healthcare to manufacturing and even human spaceflight. Reach out to Clark and Ben, who are Wolves fans and fans of this show, by emailing them at team at 20by20solutions.com. That's T-E-A-M at 20x20solutions.com. And their team will review your needs and help you put together a plan before you need to make any commitments. 20 by 20 Solutions, technology, workflow, architecture, strategy. They're your sixth man on a winning team. All right, we are back uh, talking with Britt Robson of, of MinPost about, about what's been going on with the Wolves recently, but also his, uh, his piece on the Timberwolves dread zone that, is, that they have kind of slipped into here at three and six with five straight losses. That, that makes it out to sound like you are, that title just kind of, is, is putting it I love all on all on this team. But what you're kind of saying is it's almost past teams are what is leading this to feel even worse than it might in reality be. I think a lot of circumstances conspire. First of all, you know, and I say this as somebody 68, but I think I would say it if I were half that age, which might be your age. Um, Not quite. But they're young and they're impressionable. Mm -hmm. And that could be said 20 years ago, but 20 years ago, there weren't super teams mm. handpicked and there weren't social media outlets broadcasting. I mean, what I wrote in the column was uh, it feels like a pickup game when rosters are assembled and social media feels like the cafeteria gossip about those games. And as a result, there are cool kids and then there are not cool kids. Um, and everybody who's been to high school understands the click-oriented thing, especially if you've been a mediocre athlete mm -hmm. and you find yourself, as I was, sub-mediocre to some extent. But in my prime, I found myself just scraping by on my fingernails to the lower nether <laughs> regions of, of, cool. of coolness because <laughs> I was an athlete, you know? And 
keenly aware when I was no longer there. And the NBA is kind of that writ larger. And to be on the Timberwolves is to be in a, in a bad place reputationally. And if you're on the Timberwolves for seven years and the only year you've won anything is when the cool Jimmy. kid said, screw this shit and left and turned around and won a lot more, right. um, you know, and, you know, with, with a, a high five from his coach and your coach at the time who, who had to get shown the doorway. Um, there's just a lot of cat played next to Kevin Garnett during Garnett's final season and, and, and cat's first season. Um, he was the guy that along with Wiggins got publicly embarrassed by Butler's statements. And he is the guy, you know, now who is regarded as this is a referendum on whether or not he can be a viable leader of a franchise. If the Wolves belly up this year, Cat's next team will have him as a second or third guy. They will not acquire him to be the leader because that's foolhardy. That's Ben Simmons territory right now. You don't hire Ben Simmons to be the leader of your team. You want him to be the great complimentary piece. You want him to be the cool sidekick. You don't want him to be the cool guy behind the wheel. Right. So there's that dread factor, you know, the, the, the idea well, that... Well, it just makes him mockable. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it does. And we, we, we see, you know, we see this we on our him. social media. I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess to some extent, which I honestly, sometimes I kind of feel bad about because I don't think he's like a bad dude. His, his post game last night, and again, I referenced this in the column. I didn't stick around for it typically. And... Um, you know, took advantage of everybody else's hard work asking the questions. Oh, you were not? Oh, okay. But yeah. you watched it. I, was, watched I watched it, it yeah, yeah, afterwards. Um, because I knew I had to get up and write. But anyway, Fair. Uh, I do think that um, he was trying his best to be realistic without being self-pitying to... Um, acknowledge his pain as plain spoken as he could. And he did. He said, it hurts so bad. How many times? At least three. Um, and yet did not get into the chest thumping, did not get into the flagrant martyrdom, all the tricks. He, 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 threw, he, all, normally does. he threw all the tricks out and right. uh, just basically said, we just have to get better. Um, we have to figure it out. We're making a ton of money. Let's figure this out. Uh, I think it's a great attitude. Um, unfortunately, um, it's talk. And as Cat himself has said on a few on occasions, uh, you know, talk. People are so sick of talk. Right. Um, and then you have D'Lo and Ant, and everybody's got their issues. I mean, everybody... Pat Bev, if he were um, in his prime, if Pat Bev and D'Lo could merge skill sets and approach to the game, uh, you'd have a you'd have a clear cut alpha leader on this this team. 
And right now there's evidence that all three of the main guys um, deserve to share and never own the role. So, so what's the answer now in terms of, of lead? I mean, we've just talked about like some X's and O's of how utility of cap, but like, what, what's the, what's the right thing to do in terms of, you know, how to manage this from a, you know, from a personality standpoint, mm -hmm. like it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like there's a, a clear pecking order. And, and, you know, and, and I, I know some people like when they listen to us talk about this, they're like to your armchair psychologist or right. this or that. But I, I mean, I think just authentically, we believe that that stuff does matter. And yeah, and I mean, it, it does matter. Uh, it matters as much as, Right. You know, other robots aren't playing this game. Right. You know, um, but I mean, what, it, what it's coming down to is like. He is in the position of leader on the team mm -hmm. and has never really seven years in now, seventh year in now, known how exactly to do that. Right. And, and I remember ironically, it, he's getting better at it very slowly, but surely. But. Um, is he? Well, at the very least, he's made more vulnerable by circumstances. And I think that type of vulnerability helps in his communication with his teammates. I think he's less cringeworthy with his teammates in terms of his perspective would be my sense. Sure. Um, but I think it's accountability time. Um, you know, we really applauded. Finch's accountability last year when he sat in the fourth quarter if he wasn't playing defense or whatever. Um, well, and I applauded Ant's calling for accountability after the first New Orleans loss, right? Sure, yeah. To, you know, D'Lo and Cat pass the hall and accountability on himself. Right. I, I think... But don't ask him about his own shot selection. I, he did, but Ant did talk about himself in that too. In his Yeah, he did. He talked about being sticky. He didn't talk about... How yeah. he was, I, and I'm not saying Ant did it right. perfectly, but like as a general way of going about this, I think whether it's Finch, whether it's Cat, whether it's Ant, whether it's D'Lo, I and you're in the midst of losing. I don't think just putting our heads down and figuring it out is going to work. I think what you have to figure out is what we're each doing wrong, right, and change that and be accountable. And if that, well, and I, I dare say. That has been said to them individually, you know, what you're doing wrong. D'Lo sometimes just takes plays off on defense. Still does it. Does it less, but still does it. And they're brutal. Um, and Stim sometimes and still Ant. decides to. I mean, a sad development of the huh? season. A sad development of the season is after that first preseason game where we're like, whoa, Ant defense. Ant defense is gone again. Yeah, more so. I well, mean, it's, it's he's like better the than end the, of last season. Yeah, it's like yeah, the end right, of last right, season. Right, it's like right. the, the first half of the first half of last year was terrible. Was terrible. ridiculous. Was the bottom right? But and then the the second half of last season was not better. Good to just concept. stick him in the gap, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. Getting getting steals, and he's he's still doing that. But he's not. There was there was a full on defender in that in that first preseason game. We've seen less and less of that from Ant as time has gone on. We've seen yes, the D'Lo thing is pretty plain spoken, like take some plays out, doesn't have doesn't have the real physical acumen to be able to do it. I mean, he got cooked 
on the perimeter by De'Anthony Melton three or four times, just not moving his feet or not able to move his feet. I don't even know what that is. But then Cat, too. I mean, the as much as you and I have talked about this defensive scheme stuff and playing out at the level, Cat is, is showing that he is very much in these trapping situations. He is very much struggling to find the middle ground of setting the edge on that trap. Yes. And without allowing there to be a huge pocket for John Morant or Paul George to split there. I mean, more of the stories, he's getting starting to get cooked on defense too. So there's defensive accountability to go all around. I think for the most part, offensively, you know, Cat's, Cat's been pretty good this year. He's got to solve, chest solve some of these double teams, but his numbers aren't bad. Ant has fallen back into bad shot selection, you know, tendencies. And D'Lo has just been pretty much good one every four games. Right. And atrocious two or three of the other I think four. the easy blanket statement you can say about Ant, and you have said it, you said it before it became a fuller reality, actually, is that he just is the same player he was at the end of last year. Um, or in this case, offensively, you pointed out he was the same player as he was before. I mean, the beginning of last year. So... Yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, uh, the, he's the, not had to step up that LaMelo Ball has had, for example, mm -hmm. um, you know, to choose a friendly rival. <laughs> um, it, it's the thing is, is the flashes have been there for me all the time. They've, they've take progressively over time. And I would say even into this year, he he's able to dominate for longer stints of time. But in the aggregate, it's pretty much been the same. I mean, obviously, it's kind of insane how his shot selection is exactly the same. Like, he goes 40% at the rim last year, 20% from mid-range, 40% from three. That's a huge indictment. Yeah. And and so so that hasn't changed. And I, I think what the concerning part of that is, is that means that he hasn't realized yet that he has to. And the step up comes from recognition. And at what point does this hands-off thing become malpractice for Finch? If, in fact, that's what's happening. I mean, let what him mean play. He's got to let him play mentality. Yeah. Um, and what he did say to me in that Vegas interview is some players need structure. And when we discover that, we pull back and we give them some structure. Um, I think there needs to be a fluid feel for that. But I think that tugging on some people's freedoms will get their attention. Right now, um, this team is the worst of both worlds. They're undisciplined and lazy. I mean, if you're going to be undisciplined, move the fuck around. If you're going to be lazy, make your shots and execute your sets. Um, you know, be Boris Diaw. But um, don't, you know, right. you can't have both. You can't be not moving and breaking normal basketball logic. Well, you can be. You'll be three and six. Well, with, you'll be one and six. Well, yeah. I mean, with the easiest schedule in the league thus far, seven of the nine games which have come at home and dread sinking in. And really, like, I, I mean, maybe it's a little too far ahead of itself, but it's starting to draw all this into question. Mm -hmm. Because at some point during the season, I don't know what the fair nine games is not the fair 
point no, to not. do it. But at, at some point, if this kind of winning percentage, lack of X, all the, the right. lazy stuff does you know sink in or those three don't start to work together, yeah, I mean, it's, it's time to talk about the feasibility of the threesome. And, and whether or not, you know, they're going to. And that is where some of the dread zone tensing is happening. And on the one hand, you have the history. You're the mockables. You're the uncool kids. Whatever you want to say about it, you're the equivalent of people to be mocked in, in the NBA brethren. On the other hand, down at the micro level, your future role on the team if you're talking Cat and then D'Lo, is being examined right now by a totally new set of mm. eyes, new set of owners' eyes, new set of Pobo eyes, and to some extent, a coach that, you know, will understand when he has to get off the train. So where are you at on Finch right now in terms of your surprise that he hasn't effectively been able to manage this through nine games? I think he's been, I think he wants to be known as a player's coach and he thinks that the way to tap into the full spectrum of talent at the NBA level is to figure out guidelines that give them the freedom to maximize their talents. He is not yet ready, although by now he may be, um, he's not yet ready to impose more discipline but i think it's coming and if it doesn't come and the status quo continues i will lose some respect for him right because we have seen some of those some of that disciplining in terms of who plays and who doesn't play but they're not the big guys no it it's only crept up as high as malik beasley on mm -hmm. the pecking order mm -hmm. where who where got you... the message <laughs> <laughs> yeah Right. No, good point. And and now we're seeing it with Jared Vanderbilt and Josh Okogi mm -hmm. in terms of like, I, I really do. Okogi's gotten it. I'm still, I mean, yeah. Okogi, Okogi's, uh, Okogi got two legitimate assists the other night that in every other season passed, maybe even three weeks ago, hmm. he would have gone up for the shot. He is not trying to screw things up. Who... They both bring value. That, mm -hmm. that, that's a given. A Kogi and Vanderbilt. So uh, that that isn't my my point of bringing this up. Sure. This is my my question here is who brings more of that value given their imperfections hmm. between a Kogi and Jared Vanderbilt. We can go I into what those because are. Because they're both role players, it really does depend on who's on the floor with them. Good good point. Um but having said that. I think Okogi has more versatility. I think part of that is Okogi's got two more years of real NBA experience. So he understands True. a little bit more about what he's doing. I don't see Okogi having jujitsu used against his aggressiveness the way it's always used against Vando. I mean, I know what the, I, I have never read a scouting report on Vando, but I bet I could quote 80% of it. You know, right? You know, let him react. You know, and two things: always be aware that somebody will enter your plane of vision 
when he is on the court, and it will be him. But when you can see him and you can size him up, take advantage of his tendency to go for broke and put him in a box and just, you know, watch him thrash around. I mean, watch, make an up fake, do a Euro step, um, or go hard right into him when he least expects it, you know? Um, there's a lot of ways to take advantage of Vando right now. Um, Okogi, there are less ways to take advantage of him. On the other hand, they both are mostly playing the power forward spot, and one is five inches or four inches taller than the other, and would have most of the time the advantage on that. I find it amazing that Okogi, um, Okogi moves on defense more than any player on the Wolves moves at either end of the court. The guy is just perpetual motion. And Vando does too. And Vando moves almost as much. But Okogi moves with more efficiency. He he had one play when he, he checked into the game after McDaniels fouled out. And so they, they brought him in um, yeah. to guard John Morant. And and there was this uh, he's guarding Morant and there, there's like a loose ball and Morant kind of like that, that Okogi kind of jarred loose. He's and Morant right. is in the corner right. and the ball is is jarred loose, kind of like by the nail. And and Okogi starts going for it and stops and stops and, and immediately jaw. goes back to jaw. Right. Where I thought that was, and I don't even actually remember the result of the play. And who but knows that's a good whether choice. or not Vando would have gotten that ball? He would have gone for exactly. It, but he the, might have gotten. He it. might. Have, that's a, that's a really good <laughs> point. It, it's just, yeah. I mean, it, it's funny, man. I I like players like that, like like both of them. I, I really yeah, do. It, I love them both. I it's it's just it's not working, man. And you know what's a huge difference as well? Now that I think about it. Vando just signed a deal. Okogi's waiting on his. Mm -hmm. This is a contract year for Okogi. Mm -hmm. This is a contract signed year for Vando. True. And so Okogi's doing everything he thinks he should be doing. Um, and I think it's made him a better player. I prefer, I put it this way. Um, Okogi strikes me as the by far the more reliable player. Um, I acknowledge his weaknesses. I don't think they're as glaring as you do because I think that uh, he isn't making a minus one into a minus two the way Vando often does. He doesn't make it a plus one very often. Well, it's situational. I mean... It yeah. was it was minus a lot in the Clippers games for both of them yeah. because they just oh, weren't yeah. being guarded. Well, and, the and also the, that that that's a large team. I think if if you were looking at depth at, at those combo forward slots mm. for the Clippers and for Memphis, yeah, well, that's true. I, I mean, Brandon Clark, Jesus. And speaking of which, <laughs> I mean, I Okogi played three fifty of that. Overtime, the last 350 of the game. After McDaniels fouled out. Yeah, after McDaniels fouled out. After Pat Bev had 48 seconds or whatever. I mean, there's this weird configuration where uh, the three or four guys each like 
add up to a minute, you know. <laughs> so it looks like it's this, you know, Jenga substitution. But Okogi was not able to um, flash and recover when he had a big forward he needed to check. Yeah. And that was Brandon Clark. And both of those offensive rebounds are not totally on Okogi, but they're partially on Okogi. I mean, somebody, when Okogi was trapped out, you know, doubling the perimeter, um, somebody needed to check Brandon Clark or whoever. But And that know. was ultimately the, the reason that the, the game the got game. signed in. I, I want to, we'll, we'll do one more segment here. Sure. I, I want to I talk about, things we would change going forward and it's probably going to be somewhat on the on the margins here it's in it's in the same vein as this akogi uh akogi vanderbilt conversation but for me um i would start doing things pretty differently and we'll take a quick break and then i'll share those with you Bert. okay we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, back again with uh, Robson Minpost, uh, reacting to the Wolves' fifth straight loss, but also looking forward to the week ahead. We're recording this Tuesday evening. Um, wa- uh, the Warriors on Wednesday, the <laughs> Lakers on Friday, the Clippers. It, it's Lakers yep. then Clippers. Is that how it goes? Uh, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. Right. Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. <laughs> three games. Three games in four days in the midst on the road in the midst of a five-game road trip. For me, my, my personal way of you know, of, of dealing with that would be change. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've had some, some changes that I, you know, I've, I've been thinking about and I, I wanted to see more. I, it was important to me to see last night of what D'Lo back looked like. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and that it's not a ton. It's, it's not a ton. So I don't feel firmly planted in this, but I, I thought the first quarter and the third quarter went very well. Mm-hmm. And and given where this team is at offensively versus defensively, I would be if I was coaching the team, I would be leaning more into offense going forward. Even though I understand and I know it's something you're on, and and I get the playing one of a Kogi or Vanderbilt at all times does make some sense in, in in what they need defensively. But I I would be ready to lean into this isn't going to surprise you, Nas Reed. Mm-hmm. And and I think I think that makes logical sense in more minutes next to Cat, um, to to I agree hundred percent to to be someone they have to go the, the next one I don't think you're going to agree with as much. Um, they need to respect Nasri on the perimeter 
more than they are. They are they, these teams are openly leaving Josh Kogi and Jared Vanderbilt exactly. wide open. That is, it's just too problematic right now to have them be major parts of a struggling offense. So Nas Reed would be part of it. And then I, I would put Jake Lehman in the rotation. Hmm. Uh, I, I think, I think with spacing mm-hmm. in, if you're leaning more into spacing mm-hmm. in your offense and you're sacrificing some stuff defensively, I understand that's the opportunity cost. Um, the spacing is going to leave cutting ripe for, for the taking and, and Jake Lehman might be, the the best at that on the team i also you know and this is a little maybe inside baseball or whatever or you know talking to some people and just what i'm able to have been able to see you've been in a lot of practices training camp all that sort of stuff like i think jake layman is like ready to go (laughs) i I do i I do no 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 no. i mean like ready to play not ready to leave no 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 i meant ready yeah i mean mean, he's ready to prove himself he's ready to be aggressive like he said in media day yeah it's almost the last time we saw him i and and i i don't i don't know where chris minch is at on him at all if if, i mean the the pattern of behavior of the first nine games signals that he's not even on his radar at all but if you look back to the wolves losing five the five straight games chris finch's first five games right then they come back out of the break and they, you know, a lot of things change and they start playing a lot better after the all-star break. Right. And a change Chris Finch made then was putting Jake Lehman into the starting lineup. Um, Malik Beasley had been suspended. Initially, he'd gone with Josh Okogie in that spot and then he went to Jake Lehman. I, I, I think I think Lehman inserts stability, some shooting, some defense, and and just some basketball IQ that I think that this 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 group is is starving for right now. So that would he would be part of that kind of combo forward mix that Torian Prince, Josh mm-hmm. Kogi, Jared Vanderbilt mm-hmm. have been in. And I understand you're gonna have to you're gonna have to shelve somebody completely, a Kogi, Vanderbilt, or or Prince to do that, and probably even cut into other minutes. But I'm ready to lean into that and to play Malik Beasley 30 minutes a game and to be an offensive team that is gonna that's going to give up offensive rebounds to Brandon Clark. That's going to drop in the defensive rating standings, but that would be, that would be the adjustment that I would lean into the adjustments. Well, you had me until Malik at 30 minutes. Uh, I, I think I'm fully on board with, um, uh, cat and, and Nas. In fact, I asked Finch, uh, and asked him again, you know, after the game, because, I think there are certain teams, if there is a guy who they most teams like to hide a center on a bad offensive player because they can only guard big guys, and if there's a big guy who's a shooter, they guard him with a batum type and stick him on the guy like an Akogi who never mm-hmm. shoots. Well, if you have Nas and Cat in the game, you expose any big that can't get out there. And you may play him off the floor if both of those guys are hot. I mean, Adams didn't come back. Right. Um, and that isn't the first time Nas has sent Adams packing, you know. Uh, there are players that Nas really presents a problem to um, because you don't put your best guy on Nas. You put your weakest big defender mm-hmm. on Nas because you have to account for Cat. Well, if you put a weak defender on Nas and Nas has the spacing of having Cat in the game with him, 
That's when his finesse really pays off. Space. He is somebody who can put the ball on the deck in those kind of straight line ways. He's not going to be Shaq dribbling from one end of the court to the other very often. But he is somebody who can dish on the drive. He's somebody who watches the court for weak side corner threes. He's somebody who is not afraid. In fact, really seems to enjoy getting the open catch and shoot from distance now. Um, so I really like that. But if you have Cat, Nas, and Beasley on the floor at the same time, oh, man, I would much rather go... There's probably some sort of rotate. I mean, I'll just say you're, you're right in that. There's, there's probably a way to rotate your way into making this work. I wouldn't even mind starting Nas, Cat, Beverly, D'Lo, Ant. Play Ant at the three, mm. play Beverly at the two, or vice versa with right. D'Lo. And I think you have a decent blend there. And then I think with your second rotation, you yank Nas, and then either Prince, Jake Lehman, the, the potpourri at the power forward, and I wouldn't mind given that we're kind of looking for two-way players now. Two-way subsidiary players is a real need on this team. Desperate. Because you have your guys who are your minutes guys. Now, having said what I said, if you don't have Beasley in that second rotation, shit's going to hit the fan. So... Beasley needs to get in that second rotation. Um, so you got to bring in somebody that can be a Beasley helper. And I'm always worried that they're going to burn out Pat Bev. Um, you know, Pat Bev plays in a way that, I mean, when he gets hurt, right. Woo. Don't like the look of it, you know? So got to worry about that. But in answer to your question, I'm, you know, I'm not. You know, I'm, my my feelings on Nas Reed are situational, and I think her. I think that this is the time. This, this is particular the situation. situation <laughs> this particular circumstance, because well, if I this, mean, it's a it's a broken situation as is. We're not we're not looking for a solution. We're looking for less bad. Yeah, but I think we're also looking for a spark. The thing that I like about Vando and Okogie is. When the Wolves suck on offense, mm. they get a ton of transition points, and that really, really helps that bad right, they offense. They do. They do. They they spur. They definitely spur transition. I mean, so, if you get fifteen or twenty points off transition a night, like on average, um, you can you can live with uh, teams ignoring them occasionally, provided that you have that balance of, you know, Joe de Vieux. You know, I mean, this idea that you can just get together and right. work hard. So I, I do think a, a hopeful, you know, filling up of that transition would be that L Layman could play in transition. Well, too. I agree. I mean, Torian Prince. No, here's what I worry about with Layman. He's already been determined to be sunken cost. That is not worth resurrecting because he's not getting signed. No way. No how um, next year. Right. So it's like, what's the, yeah, I mean, but why are we do at we the do point that? nine games into the year where we're we're thinking about next year? I mean, no, but I mean, I think that they've already, if they could have, I mean, they got rid of Culver and Wancho, yeah. Lehman would have been next on the list. Um, you know, they yeah. like Jalen Noel because he's a product. You know, 
project. He's been product. He's been raised in Iowa. If Jake Lehman had come up through Iowa rather than Portland. Yeah, but man, that's different regime, different coach. Not that different a regime. We'll I see. Know. I mean, we'll see yeah. what Sasha is. I mean, it's for another podcast, but someday we're going to have to figure out, you know. Fascinated to see what he's going to do. Right. We don't know. Well. We, uh, the one thing we know is it's going to be different than what Rosas would do. Well, I don't know if it'll be different in execution. I do. It'll be different in terms of um, uh, style. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Like, he will he will address positions that Rosas wouldn't. Yeah. Well, and again, what does that mean? And I don't know exactly what that means, but I know it's different. And as I, I know, we're very near the end of this, but... Um, Let's just say that the stools are getting uncomfortable. <laughs> Torian Prince is yeah. um, is been a colossal disappointment. I mean, he he he's fast fitting into the bad fit category. He's fast becoming somebody where you say, "I hold this guy needs on to find another set of circumstances." Um, what about the beginning of the, the Clippers game that he started? Start they start that game sixteen to three or eighteen to five, something like that. I mean, this, the spacing is there. They the Clippers don't put Zubats on him initially. They go zone, and then and then they then they go to Batum on him, and then they realize they got to put Batum back on Cat. So now Prince is able to take Zubats off off the dribble. You know, there, there's some spacing there. He hasn't shot it at a high level. I personally believe he still is a shooter. Um, that that can can shoot better than that. The, the thing I'm just concerned about with him is he's he looks so much lower than I thought he would be. Mm -hmm. And and you're talking about him a lot of the way you talked about Wancho when Wancho was here. Yeah. In terms uh, of you know this guy's got these skills and I think if we tap into these skills. Fair. Yeah. No, you're right. And, and, and I was wrong and, about that. And in fairness to you, I will say that when Wancho was in that full house lineup of you know, <laughs> full house lineup, three fours and two ones, <laughs> fours over ones. Uh, uh, Wancho, not really, a great full house. Really, <laughs> well, you could say fours over aces. There you go. Sure. That's a little better. A little even better. though the the, the yeah. lower duo doesn't mean anything, it's all in what the trips. Are. That's true. That's true. Poker talk. <laughs> yeah. No, I I don't know. I mean, but it, again, I just go back to this. Like, th this isn't solvable because, as I said, and you pushed back when we were doing our preseason podcast, I said that this roster is broken. Yes, you did. And and it is. It it remains it remains broken to what degree we don't know. And but I would disagree with the idea that the rotation of one position is what is doing it because That's the broken position. It's the broken position, but it isn't the reason the team is losing. The reason the team is losing is because they have not maximized they're three talented players. Well, in two ninths of the games, yes, that position has broken their star player, Carl Anthony Towns, in allowing teams to just completely the Clippers to completely remove him from the game. And I don't think that a counter to that should have been that difficult to come up with, even with them ignoring that. You've got two other guys on the floor. The counters they went to were Tory and Prince. 
No, no, I, but I mean the counter you go was to another broken. Is, is more high screen pick and rolls with Cat and Dio. That I wanted to bring that up. Like this season, this team doesn't run pick and rolls. Well, this team doesn't run pick and rolls, and the, the way that this and just specifically the Cat and Dilo like pick and roll or lack thereof that has happened not this season, but now for I guess you know, well at least two yeah. seasons. What you said in your column, Dilo's played sixty-one games. I would say maybe how many of those do you think are seventeen hundred and ninety-seven minutes? Oh, for Cat, maybe thirty games, twenty-five yeah. games. Well, my point is, is 30 games in, the Cat and D'Lo pick and roll pairing doesn't look it's special not at all. The reason you got D'Lo, first and foremost. I well, mean, the, the, the reason we thought. That the post Pobo said it. Anyway. Yeah, I, it's just, it's a little bit disappointing and a little bit, I think, of an indictment of, I don't, I don't I want to say an indictment of their, their friendship, but like, I mean, at some point it's like, all right, guys, like, be great, dominate this game. However. However yeah, you want with, to with you two, like do it together, like your your buds, like right. Let's... I've actually seen more inverted pick and rolls where Cat has fed Delo on a cut, right? Um, when Delo's given up the ball and and chosen to move without the ball, but what I what I'm getting at though is that one of the ways to solve the void at power forward is to run high pick and rolls, and then if it's Torian Prince, even you know, Kobe, you got to shooters not around Vanderbilt. It. No, you got to have an open guy in the corner, and then he's just got to shoot him if they're going to leave him. Up. And Okoge. but what the thing about Vando is, any Vando three is a white flag. <laughs> People ought to be running back in transition. Screw the offensive rebound, baby, because that thing is going to be a high bounce. And who 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 knew? Who knew that who, Vando couldn't shoot? Who knew? I mean, who who well, could have? If we want to get snarky, you know, he contributes to winning in a lot of ways. He's also just not last, last on the team and just plus minus thus far through the season. Yeah, I know. He's had a rough year, and and is valuable in ways too. He but is. in a, a very small role player type of way. He's that a catalytic converter. He it, that needs to be in the full house lineup, and that's right. about it. He he re, he removes some of the pollutants from the rest of the Wolves' defensive environment. I, I think he should play. I think he should play. I just I don't. I don't think the the answer at power forward is proving to be the guess and check of a Kogi versus Vanderbilt because because teams have figured it out straight up right they've, they've just and that's it why out. the Nas I I yeah. think that the Nas is the first step in the like it is the and, obvious step. and you know if if Torian Prince begins to hit that shot which I agree is his skeleton key to playing time man just shoot it like get, like go I. It, on the other hand, are you hesitance. confident when he he lets fly? I don't know. I I've just I'm confident in his just from watching. Like you know, traded for him, watched hundred of his threes. You know, so that's there just is my only high one test. player I'm confident shooting threes on this entire team, and that's Cat. Yeah. And I know that you know D'Lo has a decent percentage right now, and has Doesn't. traditionally been that. Uh, someday I'll trust. <laughs> that those ridiculous looking threes are going to go in a lot, you know? Right. Um, but I don't feel it from anybody else. Even Pat Bev, who I think has been decent. Let's just run through the three point percentages. Here. Okay. Um, and this is in terms of per game volume, Ant 9.6 per game, 31%. D'Angelo Russell, 8.3 per game. 33%. Oh, okay. Malik so I'm Beasley, a little bit justified there. Malik Beasley, eight per game, 33%. Uh, 
Carl Anthony Towns, seven per game, 47%. Patrick Beverly, three per game, 44%. Nas Reed, three per game, 35%. Torian Prince, three per game, 17%. Jaden McDaniels, two and a half per game, 26%. Jordan McLaughlin, one and a half percent, 17%. Josh Kogi, one a game, 25%. Apparently, McKinley Wright has made the one three he's taken, so 100%. And then uh, Jared Vando Vanderbilt has missed all set. of them. Jared Vanderbilt has taken five and missed five. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Those that's, that's a really good summation of a missed opportunity. What in the world? Why can't a team with three guys who almost, not always command the double, but they're you can justify doubling any one of the three guys at the top of the Wolves pecking order. And if that happens, somebody is going to have open threes. Mm -hmm. Um, Beasley, I think in fairness to Beasley, I think he's, he is concentrating on It's like the Wolves in general. He's (laughs) concentrating on defense. So his offense is off. But I also think that, um, he isn't playing as freely. He's he feels like Cat in that he also has an identity problem on offense right now. He doesn't know when he should shoot. Um, right. His what role, we're really talking about is too much freedom, aren't we? Aren't we really talking about the idea that um, wasn't that what I brought up at the beginning? Yeah, and and so that's on Finch. Mm-hmm. Just like it's cool if a coach gives you the freedom to thrive. The coach should also give you the discipline to thrive. I think it's uh, going back to to last season. Uh, said this before. Ryan Saunders had an extremely possibly impossible uh, puzzle to solve in terms of rotations and balancing of the roster that became pretty definitively unsolvable once you know. Once obviously once everybody once Kat got, got hurt, hurt. Right. And, and he still, I would say, in the midst of that, didn't do didn't do a good job in figuring out who to play and how to play them. Right. But again, we did our preseason pods. I, I brought that same thing up and I said, Chris Finch has a similar puzzle to the one Ryan Saunders had a year ago that I'm not sure is solvable. And what, what's happened thus far is, is zero indication that he has a plan for solving it. And again, maybe maybe he is. Maybe that's not his fault. Maybe it's Rosa's fault because he put this, put this roster together. See, but- I continue to believe... That once you get synergy from the top, uh, it's a chicken or the egg type thing, isn't right. it? But once you get synergy from your top three, your role players will have a much easier path to success. Right. Um, and and I, there is validity in your viewpoint. It's not the answer in my view yet because I want to see synergy and then have these guys still fail. But it may just be that one of the reasons it's not synergy is because the role players are so ignorable. And I know that's your position. Yeah. I mean, my position is pretty much like get out a piece of pen and paper and try and map out a rotation. Right. And then, and then that do doesn't that. kill Pat Bev. <laughs> that doesn't kill, kill Pat Bev, kill your space and kill whatever. And then, and then once you think you found your, your good rotation for what it looks like, then consider the opponent. Imagine consider Pat Paul Bev George. with 36 minutes a game. Yeah. It's just like who's who's going to guard Steph tomorrow? How how are they going to do that? Yeah, Pat you ben. know how how are they going to how are they going to handle you know how are they going to handle John Moran? How are they going to handle Paul George? Like the, these these are the things. As much as I'm saying, you know, and it's right. it's it's the flaw in my argument of saying lean lean into offense, right? 
they might just well get I, I when it comes to Steph Curry, you do have to lean in offense because that guy's unguardable. I mean, he's proven it against a lot better defenses than what the Wolves True. have. True. But it's just it, it, I mean, it's just gonna keep coming. I mean, it's just gonna keep coming. Then you know, then you got Anthony, you know, you got Anthony Davis the next game. You got Chris Paul the game after Chris Paul Devin Booker the game after that. It's like yeah, I mean, again, it's it. My main frustration is is this was a, this was a roster that was that put all its bullets into offense, doesn't have that good of an offense, and when you lean into that offense, you you open yourself up to just get destroyed by the other team's best player a lot mm-hmm. of the time. So, mm-hmm. I don't know, man. It's gonna be. I mean, it's rough right now. As Carl said, it, it hurts. You know, <laughs> like it, it it hurts because I the I don't I I think there is dread, and I don't think there's. I don't think there's clear, there's not a salt. I've said that a handful of times on here now, but there are, there are steps, you know, right. along the way here. And, and there's hope that the big three figure out how to play in that flow with, it, with and, each other. Um, I think that Chris Finch has to show either that his status quo way of coaching patience pays off or he has to show that he's innovative enough to break not only the player's comfort zone, but his own comfort zone and what's mm-hmm. going on. And I, it'd be fun to interview Nori right now, who I think is his, the coach probably closest to him. He's the one with the, the pen and paper out trying to figure out the rotation. No, it's... Uh, it's his yeah. one, one answer at halftime was... He is a suffering fools gladly, man. Uh, He's just saying, all right, right, this right. is what we do. Hope we do it better. <laughs> what did he say? I mean, something about it. Some, kind of, some kind of cowboy I, phrase I, at the I beginning, of, wasn't it? I, I didn't understand. It was wonderful. I, didn't I mean, it made me look up from my beer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Um, read Britt Robson's uh, piece um, over at MinPost, The Dread Zone. Search men post the dread zone. Obviously, it's on Britt's Twitter. You can follow him there uh, at Britt Robson. And, uh, you know, we're going to see what happens over these next four days. Three games that are like losable games, to say the least. I mean, but also like an opportunity. You take two or three of them. Opportunity to change. Yeah, an opportunity for change. And that's what this team needs. It's my belief. It's it, it's it's time to kind of, you know, more intentionally shake some things up and uh, I'll be curious to see what, what Chris Finch's reaction is in these games. So thanks for doing it, Brett. My pleasure. All right. I will be back to talk to you late, late after the the game on the West Coast on uh, on Wednesday evening against the Warriors. We didn't even talk about Andrew Wiggins at all. That's a nice, a nice reprieve. Um, but uh, I'll be back to talk to you after that game. Um, until then, enjoy the rest of your week. Dane. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah Hope you dancing like nobody else around, yeah